Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Did you see the big news? That would be. After incredible depth of loyalty to the Chicago Bears, Mercy has announced that she is now a Steelers fan. She did like her. She did like uh, her. Her Mitch. Her Mitch Trubisky. We'll talk to Jerry Dulac about that in the next half hour. Hey, I, I think if it came down to that, though, I think it's more than just Mitchell Trubisky going to the Steelers. If I, if I know Mercy as well as I do, I'm just telling you that she's made the move over. And the Steeler fan base looks way better for it. So let's, okay. All right. Let's get to our play by play call of the day. Baseline rubs. Five to go. Bohannon way outside. Launches the shot. Backs it home. Impossible. Big time. Onions by the Wiley Vet. Oh my goodness. It pays to stay in school. By Indiana. Didn't look like Iowa was going to run anything, but as you said, launches from Curry range. Talk about great kisses. That's one of the most affectionate spooches of all time. (laughs) It's interesting because I talked to uh, Jordan Bohannon's dad um, who went to play football at Iowa. And I talked to him after the Penn State game out there in January. And his older brother, by the way, played for Wisconsin. And I and I told him, you know, and he and he, the dad, Jordy's dad and I talked for maybe I don't know ten minutes or whatever. And finally, I said to him, I said, I just want to let you know. I said, you know, I said, I I said, I obviously broadcast your older son's games. Obviously, I said Jordy's been there so long. I said, <laughs> I said I've done a lot of his games. I said both of your boys that I broadcast games. I said, you know, I can't speak for your whole family. I said, are an absolute credit to the game. I mean, they're just both really good players. Not not just really good shooters, but really good players. And play the game right. Play the game right. So, it was back in January. Of course, he goes out and hits that shot. But he was hitting a lot of shots in that game. And he found his rhythm in that game. When he played here at the Jordan Center, he didn't play well. He was like, oh, a six. He had two free throws to start the game. He had two free throws to start the game and then didn't hit a shot the rest of the game, which is so unusual for him, especially when they scored 86. I mean, he scored 86. I mean, they scored 86. He didn't score anything except for two free throws early. Uh, First uh, DH in the uh, National League delivered signing. The National signed Nelson Cruz. That is an absolute DH signing there. It's the first time in the National League that's been done. 
All right. Uh, today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Let's break down the NCAA tournament with Ken Pomeroy. Ken Pom, welcome, sir. Great to have you back. Hey, Steve. It's great to be back on with you. All right. Um, I will start with with a basic uh, overview. Uh, in looking at the Big Ten tournament and obviously sitting there, Iowa and Purdue were one and three in in the country and one two in the Big Ten in offensive efficiency, sandwiching Gonzaga. I think that was a, the scenario. Uh, is that the trend we're seeing in college basketball now? That yeah, where offensive efficiency, like college football, is has a greater meaning. Even though I know everybody talks about defense all the time. You are correct. Yes, uh, certainly in the last I don't know ten to fifteen years. I think with the uh, explosion in three-point shooting, just better shooters out there. Uh, you know, shooting shooters are really hard to defend, especially when you have multiple shooters out there, and uh, you know, just opens up more space on the floor and allows for more cutting. And uh, there's all sorts of decisions and, and you know, difficult decisions that a defense has to make when a the team can do those things. And so, typically, you know, I'd like to say a, a great offense beats a great defense like it's you know it's not 100 percent of the time and it's probably not even like 75 percent of the time but like you know 60 65 percent of the time the offense will have the upper hand and maybe even a little bit more this time of year because shooting does improve as the year goes on as players get you know more uh, more in sync against competitive defenses and uh and so um yeah it wasn't a total fluke that uh those two teams both great offensively and pretty mediocre defensively still you know were able to, to get to the final game yes uh, there are obviously many stats you keep on the chart and i always tell uh, for example everybody look one to three percent you may use in a game but the one to three percent changes every game as to what's there and what you use i always keep on there what's the percentage when you shoot the higher what's the record when you shoot the higher percentage in a game and of course what's the record when you don't almost uh, Purdue's a good example i think they're what 23 and 0 when they when they when they shoot a higher percentage than the opposing team or some number like that and that you know and that's why you keep that cuz i mean that's a simple analytic it's not advanced but it's simple enough to tell a story right and you know the thing with Purdue is they you know they shoot the ball very well but obviously they have a great offense so they're not just shooting the ball well like they they are a good offensive rebounding team they draw fouls they don't commit too many turnovers so even when they're not shooting it well, like they have a chance to have a pretty good offensive game, and when they are shooting it well, it's you know it's like forget about it. Like you're you're not going to keep up with them. Uh, the there are 36 teams that are at large teams, and they all have one thing in common: they all lost their last game. <laughs> okay, so yep. every one of them. All right. Uh, so when you start to going through the analytics, especially matchups like like take Wisconsin Colgate. I know you got that a seven-point game, right? Which is about the neighborhood I thought it would be too. So it's pretty close to what I thought. I was I thought maybe seven to ten. Um, what are some of the, in a matchup like that? Wisconsin Colgate, Patriot champ, big run, played great. Wisconsin stumbled down the stretch. What are you looking at in terms of of how the numbers relate to each other with two programs from completely diverse conferences? Yeah, it's a challenge. Um, I guess the one advantage with Colgate is that we've seen them in, in recent NCAA tournaments, and they have performed uh, quite well uh, mm-hmm. last year against Arkansas, uh, what, three years ago against Tennessee, really gave them a scare. So, um, 
you know, program wise, they know what they're doing. Like their coaching staff knows what to expect and knows how to prepare the team. Uh, from a statistical standpoint, you know, the thing that jumps out at you about Colgate is that they're a great three point shooting team, and that's kind of been their MO here the last few years. So, um, you know, that's not, you know, going to translate perfectly to playing a Big Ten defense as opposed to Patriot League defenses, but. But still, as I mentioned earlier, you know, if shooters get open, like, they're, you know, they're going to make shots. It doesn't matter who's playing on the other team if they're open. So, um, so you know, it should be a pretty interesting game. And obviously, much has been made, at least in the analytics circles, about Wisconsin's kind of struggles to, to put teams away, regardless of who they're playing. You know, they can obviously beat some great teams, but they play down to the level of, uh, of their opponent pretty often. So you certainly would expect this to be a, a competitive game most of the way based on that. And, you know, and, and somebody saw Wisconsin twice, uh, once against Penn State, and then obviously I saw them on Thursday night, uh, or Friday night, excuse me. I think one of the reasons is they don't have a bench. I mean, and yeah. I, they've got to play their guys a lot of minutes. You know, there's another thing that comes up this time of year, and that's like uh, talking about star players. And I've seen that narrative around Wisconsin possibly making a deep run. You know, obviously Johnny Davis is uh, a talent that few other teams have. But, like, realistically, like, you look back historically in the NCAA tournament, and I, I, there are many examples of, like, teams that depend so heavily on one player, uh, you know, making a run to the Final Four. Um, you know, usually the teams that succeed are the ones that have, you know, three or four really solid options offensively that right. the defenses can't key on. And, uh, you know, it speaks to the bench issue, and, it, you know, obviously – Colgate, their game plan is going to be to make life difficult for Johnny Davis. Right. And they're successful in doing that. It'll, it'll be an interesting game. All right. Um, Gonzaga is is number one. Uh, when you look at the metrics on them, what jumps out at you? Because I, mean, I don't think people, a lot of people realize they're like, they have 10 quad one wins. Uh, this is not, you know, they're like 10 and 3 in quad one wins. So what statistically on their line jumps out about Gonzaga? Well, they're just very solid all the way around. You know, their offense is ranked first, their defense is ranked seventh. I think, you know, there's obviously some skepticism based on their conference. Um, but as you point out, like, there, there actually was some some meat in their conference this year. You know, San Francisco and St. Mary's both got at large. Bits. BYU was, uh, you know, they're in the NIT, and they were they were on the cusp um, of getting that large bid. So right. conference was decent. I think what jumps out at me really, though, is that they're second in the country in two-point offense and they're first in the country in two-point defense. And, you know, again, a little bit aided by the schedule, but whenever I look at teams like their statistical profiles and I kind of want to see, you know, uh, how fluky have they been this year, two-point defense is not fluky at all. Like that's, a, no. that's a bedrock that's going to, you know, persist from game to game. And so that's a great starting point for Gonzaga. And, I, you know, uh, they are rightfully the favorite to win this tournament. And the, one of the reasons why, Ken, is the really good two-point defensive teams – Force you into taking tough twos. In other words, they you know they they're running you off the three point line. They've got a wall built up around the basket, and they're making you take the tougher twos. And I think Gonzaga makes them t- teams take tougher twos. They do, and obviously, you know, Chet Holmgren is a, a big reason why. I mean, that's the yeah. difference between this season and last season. Last season's team was like super dynamic offensively, but yeah, you know, the coaching staff always had concerns about their defense last year, and this year, you know. With Chet in the middle, like he's able to defend the rim, and not only do they force tough twos, but when you know that you're going to have to meet Chet, Chet Holmgren at the rim, like yeah, you're going to take some tough twos, but you're also going to take tougher threes. Like yes, uh, you know, you get an open look from five feet off the three point line, you're more inclined to take that, knowing that if I don't take it later in the possession, I got to take a really difficult two. So opponents only shoot thirty one percent from three against them, and, and that's a big reason why. A lot of people are really big on Arizona. Tommy Lloyd goes from Gonzaga to Arizona. 
I feel like he's running Gonzaga's um, um, deal with better athletes uh, down there. So what's the what's the statistical line in Arizona? Yeah, I mean, they're very similar to Gonzaga. Gonzaga, by the way, first in the country in average possession length offensively. Uh, Arizona is fourth and uh, kind of kind of unusual this year. You know, normally the teams at the top are not super fast in terms of pace, but uh, right. top two teams this season are among the, the top two passes in the country, and and that's because they, they both do kind of the same thing. You know, they're looking to push the ball or looking to score early in the shot clock if it's there, uh, even after made shots. Like they're going to take the ball out of the hoop and, and push it, and, uh, and that's what Arizona does. Um, they also lead the country in – assist rate uh so they assist uh 65 of their their baskets are assisted um they're, they're really unusual in that they don't take a lot of threes they you know they have some shooters they don't take a lot of threes they just right. love to get to the rim and they're when they get to the rim I, I gotta look this up i'm gonna write about this later this week but uh when they take a shot at the rim it's rebounded by the defense like you know like 12 percent of the time or something like they either get a made bucket or they get an offensive rebound a ridiculous amount right. of time so um, they're just offensively very difficult to stop because of that. Kentucky is Oscar Sheboy, uh, and they're an older Kentucky team than what I see. There's there's certain elements in this tournament that you can't use the old standard. Wisconsin plays faster than than they ever did before. We you know you and I talked about that the last time we were on. Right, Kentucky's older. I mean Sheboy came in from from West Virginia. So what does the Kentucky stat line tell people that they should be taking a look at? Yeah, Kentucky is older, but there's one thing that uh, jumps out at you that is common to just about every Kentucky team in the past, and that is that they are not really a threat from the three-point line. Right. Um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They're uh, they're 350th in terms of the, the percentage of field goal attempts they take from three, and um, you know a lot of that is on Kellen Grady. Like he's obviously a great shooter for them. Uh, the transfer from Davidson, um, one of those old guys shooting 43% from beyond the arc but uh but he doesn't take a ton of threes for a guy who, who shoots that many you know under seven a game and then after that you know the backcourt is really not not a great shooting backcourt they're not a backcourt that looks for threes and certainly the frontline guys are are not shooting threats so um so this is you know a typical kentucky team to some extent uh not a perimeter threat they're going to drive it down your throat they're going to get a bunch of offensive rebounds thanks to she thanks to Sheway and Against most teams, that'll work. But uh, as you get deeper into the tournament and face more sophisticated and more effective defenses, uh, that could really become an issue. All right. So when you look at the teams in in this tournament, you know, everybody's going to ask you what your final four is going to be. So, I mean, might as well get the question out of the way now. So who's your final four? Well, uh, I will go with uh, Gonzaga. I'll go with with Baylor. Um, And I will go with Villanova and Iowa. Okay. So, yeah, the okay. So let's get to let's get to Villanova for a moment. Uh, Gillespie is just he really is a fun guy to watch. Villanova is a team that you talked about. Kentucky is not great from the three point line. Villanova is. Uh, so what you know? What's their stat line say that makes you think they've got a real shot? Yeah, you know, really good three-point shooting team. I mean, people look at their percentage, and it's not overwhelming, 36%, but they take a ton of threes, yeah, 46% of their see, shots are threes. See, that's vol- see, people don't understand. If you take volume, you'll get points. Yeah, I mean, you know, the offense is, is kind of sneaky effective in that sense. Like, obviously, they're going to go through cold stretches, but um, still have their offense ranked eighth in the country. And their defense is 28th, and so, you know, not great, but good enough to uh, to make a deep run. and. As you said, you know, led by Colin Gillespie, just really experienced. But this is a team that 
you know, nobody in that starting lineup has a usage rate of over 23%. Um, so the folks out there who don't know what that is, basically just, you know, how often does a player, you know, take a shot essentially, end of possession. Right. And, you know, the average player is going to be 20%. There's five players on the court and Johnny Davis is at like 32%. So that's <laughs> yes. kind of on the high end. So yeah. Villanova just has four guys out there, four or five guys that kind of all do similar things. And, uh, um, so that's, you know, uh, I kind of like that profile a little bit better than I do the Wisconsin profile. Right. All right. So, uh, and then you mentioned Iowa. Um, I had said on the show three weeks ago, I said, I think Iowa might be the team that wins the Big Ten tournament. Uh, now, I'm not Nostradamus. It just looked like they were going in that direction, okay? Uh, so what do you like about them? Because obviously the offense is one of them. I mean, they can. They, Fran, Fran runs beautiful offense. There's no getting around. He's got the players to do it, starting with Murray. Yeah, runs great offense, third lowest turnover rate in the country. Um, and, you know, it's led by Keegan Murray, who uh, personally has the fifth lowest turnover rate in the country among all players. So, you know, people talk about Keegan Murray, you know, they see, you know, what he does in terms of making shots, you know, really from all three levels. But uh, the sort of silent killer with him is that he just never turns the ball over either. So he's not making any mistakes. So, so that offense is locked in. And obviously we saw, you know, in the Big Ten tournament, how good it is. The defense is, is maybe, you know, certainly more suspect as it typically is, you know, ranked 77th in my, mm-hmm. my ratings. But uh, but I think it's a little different than, than last year. Last year they were dead last in the Big Ten in forcing turnovers, and exactly. this year they're first. So, right. um, so even though the defense isn't maybe any more effective, it is more active, and it does lead to more easy stuff offensively. And I think, you know, when push comes to shove, too, like, you know, Keegan Murray and his brother can, can uh, you know, bear down and, and make stops at the end when they have to, like when they're not worried about kind of preserving themselves and staying on the court. So, um, so yeah, I, I really do like this Iowa team. I think they can make a deep run. Yeah, and the other guy is Toussaint, who's you know, he's not a big scorer, but he's always been a good defensive player. Quick, you know, and the Murray twins are long. I mean, they are long. They, make, they clog up passing lanes. They get deflections. Okay, give me a, okay, everybody's going to ask Ken, give me a couple teams that like, you know, they're not going to get to the final four, but you know what? You know, as you look at your bracket, they bear watching that they, they could advance a round or two. Well, I, I don't know how you feel about the team, but I actually like Indiana to uh, to be one of those teams uh, coming out mm-hmm. of the first four. Uh, they have a pretty favorable matchup early against Wyoming, and then they get St. Mary's in their second matchup, so uh, certainly some winnable games there. And then, you know, potentially a, a round two matchup with UCLA, who is solid. Like, no disrespect to UCLA. They're still really good, and I think they're a bit underseeded. But, but Indiana plays a good ball down the stretch. And, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, kind of takeoff ramp for uh, for the first four has, has worked out pretty well for, for some teams in the recent past. And so, um, so I really like Indiana. Wyoming, St. Mary's, and UCLA all have something in common. They do not have a matchup for Trace Jackson Davis. Yeah, and not a lot of teams do, in fairness. But uh, oh, I know. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. he's he's, uh, he's quite a player. Okay, so so then give me a couple others here if you got them. Well, uh, I take a look at uh, Colorado State. Um, they're kind of an interesting team out of the Mountain West. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know about. Uh, they open up with Michigan, who's obviously been you know hit and miss to some extent this year. But uh, but Colorado State's been you know another team that's like kind of led by their offense. Uh, have a pretty special player in David Roddy. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, a couple of other, like, decent supporting cast players in Isaiah Stevens and Don, John Tanjay. Uh, they, you know, had a really solid year, 24-4. and four. I mean, they lost four games in, in the, you know, the entire season, all of them in the Mountain West. So, uh, so that's a team that could certainly, um, you know, give Michigan a, a run for their money in the first round and, and, you know, maybe win a couple more games after that. Their guard wing players probably are better than the guard 
combination for Michigan. The problem, the one problem that Colorado State will have to overcome, they'll have to figure out a way. They don't match up with Dickinson. All right. But but they match up really well in the other spots, and that's why I can understand why you picked them. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's you know it's going to be a game that uh, you know it's probably fairly high scoring, but uh, but yeah, watch out, watch out for the Rams. Anybody else? Give me one more where you sit back and go, okay. You know, that, well, I throw I'll throw um, South Dakota State in there. Like they have to match up with. They haven't, they, match up. they haven't lost in how long? <laughs> yeah, what a twenty twenty one game win streak. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean the problem is they have to match up with Iowa in the second round, and so that could be that's going to be a shootout if it happens. But but dealing with Providence, who is uh, you know pretty pretty vulnerable, and uh, yes, and uh, South Dakota State, you know the the best three point shooting team in the country by far. So uh, you know pretty fun team to watch. Providence is eleven and two this year in games decided by five points or less. Creighton made sure in the semifinals the game was not <laughs> going to be five points. They blew. They ran them out of the garden. It's like no five yeah. point or less with us, please. Enough. That's the thing. That's the thing about that stat. You know, like on the one hand, yeah, oh, you you're good in close games. But on the other hand, like when you lose, you're probably losing by a lot of points, and that's happened uh, multiple times to Providence this year. That's what I've always said, uh, and this will be the last comment because I know you got a thousand things to do. But I, I talked about Mike Shashevsky, right? and I said, look, Mike Shashevsky's record in games decided by five points or less is about the same winning percentage as most other coaches. The difference is he's never in games decided by five points or less. Okay, the really good teams blow you out. <laughs> that's the truth. Like history would definitely tell you that's the truth. And uh, you know we've been down this road before. I think most recently with like 2017 Maryland. I think they kind of took the Big Ten by storm early in the season, won a lot of close games, and then, you know, really fizzled out late in the season, lost in the first round of the tournament. So history would tell you, yeah, the teams that are just skating by winning a bunch of close games are, are due for a, a correction pretty soon. It's always fun to talk with you, Ken. Thank you so much for your valuable time. Really appreciate it. Man, I don't, the audience had a blast. The host had an even better time. How about that? All right, well, it's great to hear, Steve. I always uh, like being on the show, and uh, hopefully we can do this again next year. Absolutely, Ken. Thank you. All right, thanks, Steve. Ken Pomeroy, KenPom.com. Now, see, I gave a lot of time there to your, you know, to your Colgate thing. Yeah, very interesting, and I am very intrigued by his Final Four as well. He didn't have Colgate in there, which is a big disappointment to you. you, you No, but everything he said was absolutely right. You about got Colgate, Colgate, South Dakota State. See, the other part too is Colgate doesn't. You know, you talk about Wisconsin. Colgate doesn't have much of a bench either. So it's. I mean, it's really going to be starter versus starter, uh, and something that is different and interesting is is the Stephen Crowell kid. He's a seven footer that can shoot threes. Yes, and. That's an issue. <laughs> That's an issue. All right. Take a break. The Steelers get Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, and we'll talk to Jerry Dulac about what that means for Pittsburgh going forward. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street at Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Roots 11 and 15, Elmo's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. And today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto home life business, motorcycle, boat, whatever it may be. It is all at 
Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. get difficult. Well, I just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. More than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections. Quick Lane, 6.30 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 6.30 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury. And Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the... Mm. Out of auto repair. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, Dan, today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto Home Life Business. Boat motorcycle, whatever it may be. They'll do everything they can to make sure you're fully insured and you save money in the process. That's what a great insurance group does, and that's Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury, go to purdyinsurance.com. We're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Great to be joined by my good friend, Jerry Dulac, and Jerry, first of all, welcome back. Great timing on a Players Championship Monday. We talk Steelers football. Steve, uh, good afternoon. And as you know, I always enjoy chatting with you. And uh, I'm dividing my attention between watching the players and uh, sending out text messages and waiting for my phone to ring for free agency. Yeah, exactly. All right, now let's get to the Trubisky one. Uh, it's going to be end up being a two-year deal when it's all said and done. In your opinion, what can this do for the Steelers? Well, uh, first of all, uh, Steve, uh, you know, this is something that they've been talking about, uh, Mitch Trubisky, uh, for, well, at least since I was at the Combine, uh, because that's when I became aware of it. Um, that, that, I mean, of the sincere interest, not just gossip. Um, and, and so uh, the mere fact that they move, made the move quickly uh, a couple things. They didn't want any deliberation or bidding, if you will. Not that you know. Not that you're talking about Russell Wilson here, but it, you know, it's he's the type of quarterback that they would like to provide a different look for that position uh, because it's something they don't have and haven't had since Ben was a young guy. Uh, is Mitch Trubisky the answer? Um, well. I don't know, but the but the popular notion and maybe whimsical is that, you know, he could be Ryan Tannehill, you know, a high pick. I think Tannehill was a seventh overall pick. 
Trubisky was the second. Um, and, you know, Ryan Tannehill found a second career, uh, you know, with a better team with the Tennessee Titans. And I think that's what, you know, when people talked about Mitch Trubisky, maybe that's what can happen with him. Let's face it, his numbers weren't horrible in Chicago. I think he was 29-20, and 20, uh, two playoff appearances, uh, a whole lot more touchdowns and interceptions. And this guy might be the fastest quarterback in the league, which is saying a lot in the league with Lamar Jackson. So, um, you know, it was something that they wanted to do. Um, but it's something also that's really not going to change wholeheartedly what their plan is. It just provides – it's going to be now a competition between him and Mason Rudolph. Um, they have no plans to trade Mason Rudolph. Uh, Mason Rudolph has no plans to ask for trade. Uh, he knew this was going to happen, that they were going to bring in a free agent quarterback, you know, a mid-level one. You know, they weren't bringing in Aaron Rodgers or – or Russell Wilson, or even Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, this was the kind of guy, or certainly not Deshaun Watson, despite all the nonsense you heard out there, which was never right. the case and wasn't true. So Mason Rudolph knew this, and this is way this is the way they're they're going to proceed. I think it's a good move for the Steelers. We, I haven't heard the money amount. It's not going to be significant. Um, I can't imagine that it's any more than 18 million tops. And just based on some of the things I've heard from different agents that it's probably around maybe fifth, two years, $15 million, which certainly isn't going to break the bank. You know, they are, they gave Mason Rudolph a $6 million deal last year, 6.3 or whatever it was. So, um, you know, I, Trubisky was going to command more than that as a free agent, but it's not going to break the bank. It's a good move for the Steelers, if you ask me. Very good move. In fact, I'll give you a, what I think, Jerry, personally, is a sign that there's some things that some people like. The fact that the Giants were nosing around thinking about bringing Trubisky in because Brian Dable knows him, GM right. knows him. They had him last year. If they had him and they thought, hey, we'd like to have him with with us, that tells me there's something there to like because they coached him or, or around him for a year. Yeah, and Buffalo saw that last year, Brian Dable did. But, uh, you know, when I was to combine Sean McDermott, and Brandon Bean, their GM, said a lot of nice things about Trubisky, that they're happy to see him get an opportunity. They knew that he would have interest out there. I mean, that's why he was number overall, number two overall pick back in 17, I think the year was. So, um, yeah, and, and so, again, it's the Ryan Tannehill thing. Maybe a change of scenery, a better team, better organization, um, you know, than, than where he was with Chicago. Um, you know, maybe that, that can do wonders for him. Um, I... I personally, Steve, think their issues go beyond the quarterback. I think they need to change what they're doing offensively. I'm not sold on what I saw last year. And if yeah. what we saw last this past season continues into 2022, then it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. Uh, you know, their, their offensive system uh, isn't very good, and it needs to be not just better, a whole lot better. Because, you know, uh, Mike Tomlin made the commitment to bring Matt Canada back and um, based on what we saw last year, that was a, that was a big decision because uh, what you saw last year with all the steps backward, which he even acknowledged, uh, did not speak well for the future with Matt Canada's offense. But we shall see. It, it's yeah, I, I agree with all of that um, because you know Trubisky is a guy that it's a lot like Dwayne Haskins. They only put up limited college tape. And I think at that point, when there's limited tape, 
there's more mystery about the player, and sometimes they're drafted higher. And in right. in in Haskins' case, it, there's been no payoff at all. In Trubisky, right. I think they've got a shot at least at, at least for a couple of years. He's a stopgap until they figure out what they really want to do with it. How about that? Yeah, and I, I I agree, and I think that's even where they were with Mason Rudolph. That uh, yes. you know, and I don't know if you've heard me say this before when we've chatted, Steve, but. You know, I don't say the Steelers view them this way, but I know other people do, and I've always said this. I think they view um, – no, I think Matt Mason Rudolph is Neil O'Donnell, a guy with, in the yeah. right system with a good defense. You can win at least uh, at 10 games. And, you know, they went to a Super Bowl with Neil O'Donnell. But you're always looking for somebody better, you know, probably in the draft. Are the Steelers now going to draft a quarterback? No, they're not. That's why they signed uh, – that's why they signed Trubisky – and they have other issues along both lines of scrimmage that they need to address. And so, um, you know, they're they're not going to draft a quarterback. This is a weak year for quarterbacks. Most of these guys, yes. if not all of them, in any other year would be maybe second-round choices. You know, yep. Malik Willis will probably get some first-round attention because he's so athletic, and that's the way the game is played. But you're right about those bodies of work, uh, Steve. You know, Dwayne Haskins, 50 touchdowns in one year, and he gets to the NFL – and he doesn't know what he's looking at. He's completely right. lost, you know. So um, it's a whole different ball game. And I think that's kind of, you know, what, again, with the Ryan Tannehill comparison, you know, he, he spent some time in the NFL, yeah. and all he needed was a few years and a change of scenery, and all of a sudden Ryan Tannehill's a pro bowl. And, you know, is Mitch Trubisky going to be that guy? Well, athletically he can be, strong arm and a guy who, who can, you know, was, uh, who can run. Um, so, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it pans out. Because the guy I was looking at in free agency, quarterback aside, and he ended up going to Jacksonville, was a guy like Brandon Scherf. I felt like that was a need where in free agency, but maybe they didn't want to dole out that kind of money either. Yeah, you know, the Steelers' way, I mean, just history has shown, they're not a team that's going to go out and spend on the highest-priced free agent. They are just not, despite what people talk about. And and see, I saw the latest one uh, was a, a day or so ago was Fletcher Cox. Well, that doesn't fit their historical no. M.O. in either form. A 31-year-old no. guy who's going to command a lot of money. That doesn't fit their, pro, their free agent profile. And that's just that's not what they do. And you have to understand uh, the, the way they act, you know. And so, um, you know, Mitch Trubisky fits, that, fits that, uh, uh, that M.O., that template that they have for free agency. And, um, you know, even a guy like Ryan Jensen, you know, the, the center from Tampa yeah. Bay. Um, you could see something like that um, working too, but it just it just depends. You know, is it going to be a bidding war? And I think that was the thing that was important about Trubisky. He signed right away. He signed right away before maybe a couple other teams started throwing a little bit more money at him. And I thought that was significant both for the Steelers and for him, of course. Because because I think he thinks it's a fit. I you know, look, oh, there's, I mean, no, there's no question oh. about it. And, and you know what, Steve? How can you not? when you look at them year after year, think of how bad they look yep. this year, really. And yet, yep. they made the postseason. They finished second in the division. And really, what you saw the last eight games of the year, both offensively and defensively, you'd never believe that team was in a postseason. Yet, there they were, as bad as they looked for those final eight games. I think he looks at guys like Johnson. He looks at Fryermuth. He looks at Harris. He's like, look, I got some people to work with here. I think that's one of the reasons he jumped at it. Because I agree with you. This is his Ryan Tannehill rehab moment right here, even though he has had good numbers and he brought a team to the playoffs twice. Yeah, there, I don't think there's any question. And when you look 
at the, you mentioned Najee Harris, you mentioned Pat Fryermuth, their receiving core is young. Uh, you know, um, to me, they need to re-sign Juju Smith-Schuster, and if they don't, yes. guess what? You're going to see a wide receiver uh, within the first two days of the draft. Not on the first round, but maybe on the third round. And uh, because, one, they never turn their back on a skill player. There, two, there's a lot of them out there. And three, without Juju, now your, your wide receiver room, which once looked promising now to me, uh, just looks average because Chase Claypool has, has had, uh, you know, has been a bit of a problem in terms of his route running and drops and everything else. And Deontay Johnson puts up good numbers, runs good routes, but he drops it a lot too. But you don't want to, you know, you don't want Deontay Johnson being uh, your number one receiver. He's just not that. So um, I think, um, I think especially if you see him address offensive line and free agency, which I think you will, because they need a veteran offensive lineman, a starter, a proven yep. starter, not a backup, not a swing guy, a proven yep. starter, and then that allows them to to uh, spend time on the defensive line with young players, young studs, guys who eventually move in there in a short amount of time and be the next Cam Hayward or Stephon Tuitt, because right now that defensive line is aging and there's no quality depth behind no good, young, quality depth behind Jerry, where are they now in Micah Fitzpatrick? Uh, they're going to re-sign him. They want to. He wants to come back. I don't think that's not even an issue. Um, yeah. Have they started? No. Just like with TJ last year, they'll take care of what they're going to take care of in free agency, and then sometime after the draft, they'll start talking to uh, Minka Fitzpatrick. Good. So that's something they want to do. You know, the salary cap for a change is somewhat in their favor. Um, and it's only going to get better, Steve, next year with the uh, with the TV deal. Um, you know, they'll rework some contracts. You know, T.J. Watt's going to count $31 million. They'll restructure his deal to lessen that cap hit. Yeah. Um, but, no, that's their plan. They'll, they'll, they want to sign him. They will sign him. It'll just be a, a question of when. I do have to ask you about Brady coming back. Just anything quick quick on 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 that. I was kind of not surprised. I don't know about you. No, no, I'm not surprised either. It's funny because I was going to text Ben yesterday and say, um, I see Brady's coming back. Uh, how about you? <laughs> the, the, the only difference is Tampa Bay wants Brady back. Uh, the Steelers aren't opening, holding the door open for right. Ben, unfortunately. Right. Uh, the players, with all the weather and the wind, just your quick thoughts on the players. Well, um, it's it's funny because when they started talking about the weather, you know, and I'm a big fan of Brandel Chambly, and he said way back when, before it even started, that that weather is going to bring everybody into this golf tournament. And when you look yep. at that leaderboard, let's face it, it's not very impressive. And uh, there's Keegan Bradley's having a great day, and he's a shot or two behind. But he's the only major champion in contention, and prior to him, there were only two in the top 14. So, you know, you have, I, I mean, I'd love to see Honorbon uh, uh, Lahiri win. Um, I'd love to see Paul Casey win after his yeah. career. He's such a great guy. Yep. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's uh, great. And I'm not surprised about Cam Smith. It's his golf. It's his home course. Uh, he's such a good short game player. He's a good putter. And uh, he's showing it today. And uh, that's, he's, I, he, I think his, his lead right now is two. And a two-shot lead uh, on the back nine. I don't see him giving that away. Jerry, had to slip that in. You know that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anytime you want to talk golf, Steve, I'm right with you there. (laughs) Jerry, thanks so much, my friend. Appreciate you. I know you're trying to keep an eye on three things at once, and you gave us some time today. Thank you so much, my friend. Anything for you, Steve. I'll talk to you, man. All right. Jerry Dulac, Steelers Network, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Um.
He too picked Wisconsin to beat Colgate. Oh, I'm sorry. No. You got the Nuggets tonight. This is going to be big. Back to back games. Like are half your guys even going to play tonight? That's one of the wow. most affectionate spooches of all time. <laughs> one thing I do know is he's the ki- gift that keeps on giving. One, uh, Bill Raftery. Bill Raftery, I can tell you right now, off the air is the same as he is on. He's very, very smart. Very smart. Boy, does he know the game. But he is just a down-to-earth guy. He's a down-to-earth guy. I remember being, Dick and I were in Madison Square Garden for the Big Ten Tournament. He comes walking in, he comes walking over to us. Hey, Dick, Steve, how you been? Everybody, and the fans are like, Raph, Raph, Raph. Because remember, this is a New York crowd. Right? Raph, all right. And he's just like, and he can't be nicer, more polite, you know, just down to earth. I mean, you would really genuinely just like him. Like he's, you know, he, He's something else. It's just, and it, the personality he puts into it. They organize those puppies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. One of the best, better things CBS has done was elevating him and putting him into the number one spot. Uh, CBS needed that. All right. We will come back, wrap it up in a moment. See, we gave Mitchell Trubisky a lot of love there, buddy. I was surprised by some of that, some of those comments there from from Jerry. I didn't see that coming. I have to be honest. No, that's about what I thought he would say. No, again, this goes back to what I've been saying the entire time. The Steelers needed a stopgap of a couple of years. Now, remember, I was talking a couple of weeks ago that the Steelers needed to look at the draft in twenty three and twenty four on quarterbacks, but not the draft on quarterbacks this year. I talked about they need to look at what long range. What are the quarterbacks in 23 and 24? Which indicated that they needed a stopgap to get them to 23 and 24 so they had options. This guy's as good an option as they're going to get. And I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, number one, I think he can beat out Mason Rudolph. Number two, they do need help in the offensive line, but he Trubisky moves. I mean, he moves. So, you know, and that's that's the kind of guy they need. Now, this is not Fran Tarkenden out there scrambling around, but he can get away from people. Right? I mean, it's, 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 I mean, let me put it this way. Trubisky is, is, is as quick on the football field as the suit is when they tell them the buffet is open. I mean, now that is the kind of speed you can't put a price on. Oh, my almighty! Uh, News Radio 1070 WK. Okay. All right. So again, the big story. Mercy, deep loyalty to the Bears, but with Mitchell Trubisky with the Steelers, she has announced that she is a Steelers fan. <laughs> He's not going to turn into Ryan Tannehill, though. I can guarantee you that. You know, look, I think in terms of what the Steelers want to do, it was the right move to make. All right? 
And he has a following. By the way, the suit, when it comes to the buffet, is known as the Joey Chestnut of the Valley. For nearly 100 years, Purdy Insurance has been your locally owned, family operated source for insurance products. With a staff of over 20 and partnerships with some of the industry's most trusted companies, Purdy has the experience and resources to get the job done. Whether you need personal home and auto or complex business insurance solutions, Purdy will help you navigate through the process. Call today at 570 286 5855, or better yet, stop in their Sunbury office to see what Purdy Insurance can do for you. 